scripture reading is taken from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62. Hear the words of the Lord. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, that's Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid farewell, bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That is the word of God, and may he bless it to our hearts this Lord's day. The uncommitted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, there are those who like the idea of looking spiritual around other Christians. And maybe they are believers, but they have little interest in living holy lives when no one is looking. The fact is they have waning or they lack commitment. These are the people we describe as being a mile wide and an inch deep. And I have seen this among young people, for example, who are baptized, who have been catechized, they memorize the catechism, they even sing with gusto in the church, in the worship service, but their lives don't reflect full Christian living and full commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. We describe them as uncommitted followers. Now the fact that some people are like this in the church today is nothing new. The Lord Jesus addressed these people. He said, he pointed out for us three types of uncommitted followers. And those are our headings. I will follow, but my comfort comes first. Second, I will follow, but my father comes first. And then third, I will follow, but my relatives come first. And you will see the distinction between the two shortly. Our goals are that you will be moved to be truly committed in following the Lord Jesus Christ and do your part in his kingdom in 2023 and as far as the Lord will uh, bless you. We begin by looking at the first example of the uncommitted follower, the one who says, Lord, I will follow you, but my comfort comes first. Now, someone walking with Jesus proclaimed in an emotional response that he will follow Jesus wherever he went. And that's such beautiful language, isn't it? 
Wouldn't you be thankful and praise God if your child says that? Truly, it would be wonderful. But it's possible that this man was moved by what he was seeing and what he was hearing. He was not really moved in the depths of his soul, as you will see. This is like a man who, who promises everything. You see a, a young woman, you're attracted to her, you're emotionally drawn to her, and, and you're ready to promise all kinds of things and change your way of life and what you will accomplish because you have an emotional feeling, a strong response. So this man is likely to have been fallen trapped to the, the big crowds he saw and he wanted to be a part of this Jesus movement. Many were following Jesus. And you know that is also a big problem in our society where we, we like people because other people like. You know if a politician suddenly gains momentum in an election people just jump on that person's bandwagon because they want a winner. They don't care whether they agree they just want to win. Or like how young people might look at the singer and someone says oh that, it's really cool to like that person and then the other kids they don't care about talent they just want to fit in so they say I like her too she is really great. And that's the kind of response we have here. Now the Lord Jesus of course was perfect and did everything well. But these people were not interested, or this man was not interested in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in following the bandwagon. And it is possible um, that he wanted to look spiritual as well, for others to think highly of him. You know how the politicians will stand up at the end of a meeting and say, and God bless you, and they don't even believe in God, but they will say the right thing because you will say, wow, that's an honest man. Look at the way he uses God's name. And of course there are many others who wanted to follow Jesus because he was giving free food. We don't know the exact reasons, likely a combination of those reasons that this man, based on the response of Jesus, that the reason he came to Jesus and talked like that. I will follow you wherever you go. But it's Jesus' response that is so unique here. Jesus said in verse 7, foxes, uh, 58, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus' response was significant. And this was, in fact, a rebuke for the, to the man for what he was exclaiming, what he said he wanted to do. Jesus was really telling him, you don't want to do that. And we know this when you look at the parallel passage in Matthew chapter uh, 8, and as well as the second, uh, the, the two other men who asked them questions or made their uh, proclamations. Jesus' response was strong. You see, he knew the heart of man. He knew the man's heart. And even though the language does not seem like a rebuke, it was. You notice Jesus did not tell him, all will be well with you since you desire to follow me. Since you want to go with me wherever you go, that's all that's needed, brother. You'll be okay. He didn't say that. How did Jesus rebuke this man? First of all, you must know that this man was a scribe. And scribes had an entitlement about them. They were the historians, the scholars, and people had great respect for them. So they made a lot of money. They lived very comfortable lives. And that's why Jesus said in this context, foxes have holes and birds in the, uh, of the air have nests, but I have no place to lay my head. 
Jesus was implying that this man would eventually abandon him because Jesus knew he was going to suffer. And all his disciples were going to abandon him for that matter, except for the apostle John. And you see, the big problem of the disciples was that they expected that Jesus would set up an earthly kingdom. Even after his resurrection, they were hoping that this was a time they were going to kill the Romans and, and rid the land of those foreigners and establish a kingdom like in the days of King Solomon. And Jesus knew that was not going to happen. He knew they were going to abandon him. And that's why he's predicting here, and though this man talked about wanting to be with Jesus, the comforts of life were too strong for him that he would abandon Jesus when things got rough. See, this craving for creature comforts can be overwhelming. You know, as soon as there's a little bit of suffering, that's why you saw many difficulties in North America when COVID hit. Because we're not accustomed to not finding things in the store. And it hit even harder because they were expecting creature comforts and the Lord was saying, no, you're going to abandon me because you're not going to have creature comforts. You can't count on that. That's the first point. Let me give you a few lessons on this. First of all, God sees and God hates hypocrisy. He can smell it from a distance. Second, the one who loves himself indeed hurts his own cause. Self-love, self-preservation, are, are the, the idea of self-love is great sin. It's listed among the worst sins in the Bible. And yet, what do you hear everywhere? You can't love others until you learn to love yourself. What a deceitful uh, statement. How the devil must laugh when people repeat such things. And you see, that's what this man was thinking. I want creature comforts. And Jesus said, you're not going to get it. You can't count on that in this life. In fact, the third lesson is this. Those who follow Christ must be prepared in body and soul to suffer discomforts. You must be willing to fully separate from the cravings of this world. Remember saints like Moses and others of old. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Of Egypt, and he looked to that reward. Remember, the writer of Hebrews also says that he chose to suffer the affliction with the people of God and to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. That's the Christian life. That's what you can expect. If you have comforts, that's the abnormal times. Because the devil will do anything he can to stop. It's only the work of God that has given us the blessings we have. And I think we've lived a, a life of, in some ways, arrogance, thinking we deserve to have all the comforts we have. Hebrews 11.37 says, listen to how the Christians have been treated in the past. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. Remember James. Were tempted. Were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves on the earth. 
That's the expectation. Whereas this man says, I want comforts. And the Lord's saying, you're not going to have these. You can't count on them. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11. To the present hour, the Apostle Paul wrote, we both hunger and thirst and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. That means, brothers and sisters, if you lose your job for following Jesus, it must not drive you into depression. If you have broken glass ground and put in your food as the uh, Vietnamese police did to a Christian pastor not too long ago, you shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised. That's the expectation of this life. Second, or sorry, fourth, don't be close to a person who loves himself, who craves creature comforts. Don't marry them. Your life will be difficult. If troubles hit, you're in trouble. Make sure that people long for Jesus more than anything else in this world. That if they miss a meal, they're not going to complain. But if they miss a worship service, they'll be uncomfortable. And one more lesson. Comforts in life are fleeting. Don't hold too tightly to them. I remind people always, if your house burns down, you shouldn't go on antidepressants. You just say like Job, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's come to the second man now. Then another said to him, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. I will follow, but my father comes first. Jesus then challenged this man to follow him, to go and preach the gospel, according to Matthew. Jesus did this to expose this non-committed follower, the one who loved something else. First man loved comforts, this man loved his father. So another man whose faith was a mile wide and an inch deep. But the man responded that he wanted to go and bury his father first before following Jesus. Now, let me point out a few things here. This doesn't mean that the man's father had died. And that he needed to go to a funeral. Jesus wasn't against going to funerals. He went to funerals himself. This meant that the man wanted to go back home. He wanted to nourish his father while his father was alive. He wanted to wait until his father died. And whenever that happened, then he would bury his father. And then he would commit to following the Lord Jesus. So Jesus' response was significant. He said... Let the dead bury their own dead, and you go and preach the kingdom of God. Bury their own dead meant that Jesus knew that the man was making up an excuse, and he rebuked him unequivocally. We know that this was an, an excuse, because the Lord was never against attending funerals. This man was making up an excuse for committing his life to following the Lord Jesus. But what does let the dead bury their uh, own dead mean? The Lord meant that those who were spiritually dead, uh, they're the ones who should become preoccupied with the dead, not for the Christian. Yes, we have funerals. You had one here recently. But we rejoice that our brother is resting in Jesus Christ. We mourn. We shed a few tears. But we also know that there are perfect rests. We don't become obsessed. 
In fact, we look forward for that time when we will join all the saints in heaven. And that's how it should be. Let me give you um, five lessons here too. First of all, don't put anyone before God. Don't put your wife, your husband, your children, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, anyone. No one should come before God. Second, the procrastinator in not passionately following the Lord Jesus hurts his cause. He hurts the Lord's cause. He hurts his neighbor's cause when he becomes preoccupied with himself and delays following Jesus. So what you need to do then, brothers and sisters, thirdly, is to find out what you can do for the kingdom. If you need training for that task that the Lord is calling you to do, get the training. Put a priority to that so that you can be useful to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You see, it may not be the Father. And by the way, the reason the Lord used these three illustrations, because creature comforts, that's the closest one to our hearts. Then the second one is one who is quite close, your Father. And those things can tend to overwhelm us because we are focused on ourselves. But he's saying, no, you need to focus and make commitments outside of yourself. What is it then that you crave the most? Creature comforts? Maybe relationships? This means sometimes you have to break off some relationships that are taking away your focus. If your relationship with someone, a boyfriend or girlfriend, doesn't make you grow closer to Jesus, you need to start looking for another boyfriend or girlfriend. That's what God expects. Fourth, if you've been working faithfully for the kingdom of God, and if you've been passionate about the Lord Jesus, and you put things into perspective, that's the most important thing in your life, praise God for that. Continue to do so. Ask God for the strength. Surround yourself with those who will encourage you to continue in that way. That's good. But fifth, I must give a warning. Pious words don't fool God. See, this man might have seemed to be good in the eyes of those around, but the Lord knew the heart. He talked about, I want to make a wholesome commitment to Jesus Christ. Not now. I got something else I love more. But he wanted to look good like the Pharisees who would go and Jesus addressed them in the Sermon on the Mount. Where they would have this fake prayer. They have the formalistic view. Where they would stand in the streets. Put ashes on their heads in the hot sun. And they would, it would sweat and run down their faces. And they would look so committed. And they would often do it around the widow's house. Where, where the widows live. So they could get their hands on the widow's property. For being so faithful. The Lord sees through all of that. You see the truth is. We can smile as well. But if you know someone who is on drugs, they often just smile a lot. I had some relatives who were drunks, and they smiled all the time. But it was a fake smile. It wasn't real. And the Lord sees through that, just like he sees, sees through those who talk about passionately loving him, but not living up to what they said. Then we come to our third point. I will follow you, Lord. But my relatives come first. What you need to see here is the declining of uh, affection. First, personal comforts. Second, my close relative. And now he speaks about the far relatives or friends who are around. 
And that's what this man said. I will follow you, but I need to take time and go and say goodbye to my relatives at home. This man wanted to go home, spend time with his relatives, set his house in order, and then leave. He had no intention of following the Lord Jesus immediately. And by the way, why it's described this way is because you often have two or three generations, sometimes four generations living in one house. So he's saying, I want to go and meet my relatives, spend some time with them, and then leave. And the Lord condemned this man's lack of commitment to his service. The Lord was not against saying goodbye to relatives. You know, when a missionary is going off on the mission field, they will have a sending away of ceremony, and the family will be there, and the church members will be there, and we'll weep and pray and encourage that person. That's not what God is speaking against. And that's why we know Jesus wasn't rebuking this man for just going to say goodbye. This was a man who was saying, look, I got to spend time with my relatives because they are more important than my service to the Lord. Remember the case of Elisha and Elijah? When Elijah uh, was getting ready to leave and Elisha was being prepared to take over, one of the things Elisha said was, can I please go and say goodbye to my, uh, my family? Let me read the passage, 1 Kings 19, verse 20 and 21. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said, Go back again, for what have I done to you? In other words, not a big deal. I'm not stopping you. So Elisha turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, and boiled the flesh using the oxen equipment, and gave it to the people, and they ate. And he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. This man, though, wasn't saying that. He was saying, I want to go back. I want to focus on my relatives for a while before I pursue my spiritual duties. In this way, he was kind of like Lot's wife. Remember how she had her heart set in Sodom and turned around and became a pillar of salt? Well, that's exactly what this man was saying. And that's why Jesus responded then by giving this illustration. He says, no man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And why is that? Because the man who looks back, if you've ever plowed now with all the modern technology, sort of forget those things with GPS direction and all. But having seen people plow and watching in farms in my home country, you realize if a man turns back, he has his oxen in front of him and he looks back, what happens? You don't go straight anymore. You get distracted. Or even... Better illustration in the 401 when people are always sticking out their necks to see, let's see what happened over there. And that's when other accidents happen because when you look back, you tend to shift where you are driving. And that's why the Lord is saying, you, if you do that, you're not fit. You can't properly do the work that I've called you to do. And what are we called to do? We're called to press on, to look forward to that one in heaven. We press towards the mark, the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The cross that is set before us, that's our guide. But this man was saying, no, I got some friends. I want to spend some time with them. I'm not ready to commit. He was a non-committed follower, another one who was mile wide and an inch deep. 
What can we learn here? Well, many desire to follow Jesus and to work for him in different areas of service. But they start off this way. Lord, I want to serve you, but. And they start with the list. I don't have enough money right now. I need to work more, get more financial security. You see, maybe we don't have to want to go spend time with our relatives and some of us have some relatives who don't always want to be around because of the life they live. But there are other things that we, we hold on to that, that, keeps us, uh, that keep us away from following the Lord. Or someone would say, look, Lord, I'm raising children. When my children are grown, then I will do this. Or Lord, I want to follow you, but you know, you know all those things on Netflix. I got this whole series I've got to watch. And as soon as that's done, I will become more diligent in reading the scriptures with my family. Or those who seek pleasure, the tr- things that drive them. Or as soon as I'm finished building my house, I will become more committed to you. Let me get a little bit more personal. Do you want to wait until your children are grown and go off to college before you work hard for the kingdom? Do you want to wait until you retire before you serve as an elder? Do you want to wait until you have nice furniture before you invite people to your house? If you've done this or anything similar, It's time to drop the excuse and surrender to the Lord and to serve him and make that commitment to him. You see, the devil isn't fooled by your talk or your good intentions. And by the way, if people are concerned about your furniture when they come to your house, let them deal with that with your God. You want to show the love of Christ to them. You want to invite the stranger, the foreigner, the widow, the single mother, And most of the times people love to be there. You don't have to have everything in order. You don't have to have a lot of money to invite people to your house. You don't have to have a fancy meal for people to come to your house. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of lonely people out there. Get to know them. Talk to them in the grocery store, the neighborhood, in your workplace. Let them come. Let them see you. So many immigrants are around now. You don't have to pretend to be anything else but a child of God, loved of God, and one who's loving him back in return. The Lord wants to see some depth in your life. Not just talk, not just good intentions. And remember this, while you're not fit to be part of the kingdom of heaven, it is true because we all are distracted by other things than focusing on the work of the Lord Jesus. And we constantly look back. Yet the Lord is the one who makes us fit. And that's the reminder. That's what the cross is all about. See you can just talk about helping people. And surrendering your life. And by uh, serving others. But it all goes back to the cross. Doesn't it? That's why you were able to do this. That's why you were able to be selfless. Because he was selfless for us. That's why you were able to sacrifice your comforts and your relationship because he sacrificed heaven. He divested himself of much of his glory to come into this world for you. 
and we only do a little bit, but it's in response to what he did on the cross. Let's conclude. Jesus highlighted three uncommitted followers. There are those who put their uh, comfort, their father or a close or a strong love, or their relative, a weaker love, before the Lord Jesus. So brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, to be a true and deep follower of Christ, you need to first focus on him. Focus on his work. You are his creation. Focus on his work. You are his recreation in Jesus Christ. Only when you focus on who you are and how you are restored to that position will you become more committed to serving the Lord Jesus. Psalm 80 verse 17 says, Let your hand be upon the hand to uh, sorry, let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of man whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. That's the call. Lord, work in us. Revive us again. Fill our hearts with your love. And then the second thing you must do is to find out if the pursuit of comforts has taken over your life or whether success has become your focus or whether your self-promotion has taken over your life or whether it's pleasures like sports or games or food or intimacy. If these things take over your life, you will be a mile wide and an inch deep, an uncommitted follower of Jesus Christ. If you found this, then you need to go back to number one. Focus on him and what he has done for you. That's the only way change will come. And finally, there are many people in this world who are vaguely familiar with the Lord Jesus, but that isn't enough. No, we just went through what is commonly called the Christmas season. Most people in this world have no idea why Jesus had to be incarnated. Even talking to him and singing to him aren't enough. You have to be fully committed to him. And you can only be fully committed to him if you know him intimately. And you can only know him intimately if he changes your heart and takes away your sins. And he will only change your heart and take away your sins if you ask in sincerity.